Grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Hallelujah, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Praise the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has given us a new life and a new hope. He has raised Jesus from the dead. He has claimed us as his own. He has brought us out of darkness. He has made us light to the world. Hallelujah, Christ is risen, he is risen indeed. Hallelujah. Happy Easter, everybody. I'm glad that you are here with us this morning. Let's begin with prayer. Jesus Christ, Lord of the morning, rising with the sun of the new day. In the garden still damp with early morning dew, we find an empty tomb. You are not there. You stand before us risen and glorified. You have destroyed death. You have broken the chains of the oppressed. You have gone before us into the darkest places and have made them holy. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever, yours is the victory. In this place as earth begins we welcome you, Jesus Christ, our guest. Be with us this day and forevermore. Amen. This morning again, hear these words of assurance. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from the nations and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you in exile. With these promises, O church, and do not forget also these words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Blessed be the name and the glory of his kingdom forever and ever. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind. These words which I command you today shall be upon your heart. You shall teach them thoroughly to your children, and you will speak them when you sit in your house, when you walk on the road, when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be for a reminder between your eyes. And you shall write them upon the doorposts of your house and upon your gates. This morning, this Easter morning, we're going to hear again the story of Easter. This year, we're going to hear it from the Gospel of Matthew. This is Matthew chapter 28, the first 10 verses. After the Sabbath, as the first day of the week was dawning, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. And suddenly there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing white as snow. For fear of him, the guards shook and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Do not be afraid. I know that you are looking for Jesus, who was crucified. He is not here, for he has been raised, as he said. Come, see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, he has been raised from the dead. And indeed, he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him. This is my message for you. 
So they left the tomb quickly with fear and great joy and ran to his disciples. Suddenly Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came to him, took hold of his feet and worshipped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There they will see me. Again, let's pray. Blessed are you, Lord God of all creation. To you be glory and praise forever. Your steadfast love extends to the heavens and your faithfulness never ceases. Illuminate our hearts with your wisdom and strengthen our lives with your word. For you are the fountain of life. In your light, we see true light. Blessed be God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Someday, you'll look back at these times and you'll want to tell the story of what all these days have meant to you, how, what you lived through, how it worked, what the experience was about. You'll try and explain it. Other people probably won't completely understand it, but you'll want to tell the story someday of these days. How words like social distancing and an abundance of caution and shelter in place, we all came part of the normal vocabulary of every day. We'll want to tell that story, not just of this time, but of this Easter as we social distance, as we approximate this Easter celebration over the internet, trying to tell the story. And the fact is, is that we'll probably not completely understand it or appreciate it. Those who come behind you won't understand. It's sort of like when somebody who lived through the Depression tries to explain it to us, and we still scratch our heads at why it is that they'll save every butter dish they've ever used. Or people who lived through World War II, or the cultural turmoil of the late 60s in Vietnam, even 9-11. You know, those who are babies or not even yet born on 9-11 can vote now. Can you imagine? They'll never completely understand what it was like when we walked through those days after 9-11. Yesterday I was listening to a, uh, a story, an interview on the radio, and there was this woman whose mother is 90 years old and who had lived through the Depression and through World War II, raised her family in the 1950s. And so this woman said, since I have to stay at home and can't do anything else, I thought it would be a great idea if I could finally learn grandma's recipes. There were certain things that no matter how hard I try or anyone else tries, we just can never get it right. So she started FaceTiming with her grandmother and each of them in their kitchen. And the idea was she was going to learn from grandma over the internet how to make the most famous family meals. For example, she said matzo soup was something grandma made that she could never get right, her mom could never get it right. And she said, here's what I found out when Grandma showed me the recipe for matzo soup, her matzo soup. It takes two cans of kitchen-in chicken broth and a box of matzo ball soup mix. Isn't that always the way? I mean, I think some of my grandmother's recipes, that's exactly the case, that there's a lot of things that you think, oh, these are a bunch of whole foods. This is the nostalgia of the past and how they all had their own gardens and had time to make wonderful meals. And grandmas, who were moms, wore heels and pearls and had the dinner ready at 5 o'clock every day for the whole family. The reality was, as grandma shared why this was the recipe, was she was working. 
Her kids had me left home, and she had to get something ready quickly that wasn't on her mind, and she had to go to work. So often, the stories of our past, we can either romanticize them or not understand them or think that there's something else. But just like us who are living through these days, it's how do you put one foot in front of the other? How do we move from one worry and one concern and one project to the next? That is actually how stories, history gets told. It's how the story gets told, the way we live it. And then we look back. So that woman also said that she wanted to know how to make grandma's pea soup. And her directions from her grandmother was this. Go to the store, buy a bag of dried peas, look on the back, and there's the recipe. Because history is not always what we think it's going to be. As we walk through the days that we are now in, it's our job to look to our own future and say, how are we would we tell the story? What's the reality of what we are going through? Because we will get to that place and we will look back with nostalgia of all the things that we've gone through. But what we hopefully will not forget is what it was actually like to just put one foot in front of the other. Today on Easter, the question for me and for you is, how are we going to tell the story? How are we going to tell the story of that year when the church was closed? And this was the way we tried to celebrate Easter, was by gathering around Facebook and watching or listening over a podcast. How do we approximate everything that has been before, and how do we do it now? The other day I was listening to a, a meditation, a song on Psalm 23, and you know Psalm 23. Here's how the person sort of interpreted it. They said, so will you lead me beside still waters where oil runs over, my cup overflows, you restore my soul. You can hear those words, right? Psalm 23, those famous words. God, like Psalm 23, lead me beside still waters. And then they also wrote this. Tell me the story where old is made new, the promise of ages and all the things that are true. When the shadows fall and the wrecking ball swings and tears me through the heart, so will you lead me beside still waters where the oil runs over and the cup overflows. How will we tell our story of this time? How will we tell the story of being Christians in this moment on Easter when we can't be together. It's a story that is old, that becomes new. It's a story that we need to hear again, and hear again now in the moment of what we are dealing with. Mary, on the morning of Easter, Mary Magdalene. Imagine her again this morning, on Easter morning, going to the tomb, living, having just gone through the worst thing in her life. She's taking it one step at a time. Right? One thing at a time as she can. In the last few days, the worst, the most unimaginable things have happened, the unthinkable. Jesus, her rabbi, her friend, has died a shameful criminal's death. All of her friends, all of his disciples are in hiding. She moves into Easter morning without nostalgia, without lilies or tulips or birds singing or the glorious of a sunrise. That's all getting ignored if it was there. I imagine that she's putting one foot in front of the other and doing what she knows how to do, which is how she ends up at the tomb. 
tradition of preparing a body for burial that Jesus had not gotten to go through when he first died. Three days later, putting one step in the front of the other, what is it that we do next? So she gets up and she goes to a tomb, and as we probably all know by now, that huge rock is in the way. No apparent plan on how that's going to work, how she's going to be able to move that rock. Maybe put one foot in front of the other. I like to imagine that in this moment, Mary is the epitome of determined. She probably knows that there have been guards stationed at the tomb, and even if it may seem impossible for them to move that stone, I think she's going there going, I don't know how the stone's going to move. I don't know how I'm going to talk them into it. I don't know if I'm putting my own life at risk by showing up and demanding that I be able to do this, but this is what I know how to do, to take care of Jesus in this moment, to give him the best of the burial that I can now give him that before I could. She doesn't have to make sense. It doesn't have to be a thing where she's thought it all through. She just walks to the tomb, certain and determined of what needs to happen next in that moment. She moves into a place of bravery, determined at any cost to herself, to her safety, to do the next right thing. Have you done that yet? In all the ways that life has changed, in all the ways that things have been taken away from you, even in this past week, people we've loved who have passed away and we can't understand how to bury them. Have you figured out what it is that is the next right step in front of you? Where do you draw the line on the way the world has changed and say, this is still the right next thing to do? I'm amazed, actually, when I, I take stock of all my friends who are ministers who this morning, at this moment, or around this time, will be doing exactly what I'm doing, standing in an empty sanctuary, staring at a phone, at a camera, trying to approximate worship. And I think this is probably our line of saying. We could have probably just closed up shop. We could have just said, we'll see you next Easter, or in the weeks to come when we can finally open again. But this is the next right thing to do. It's Easter. He is risen. We've got to dig in and find the joy of this moment and this day and celebrate it with each other somehow. That mystery of the faith does not end just because things get hard. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. And we do it because when everything else gets taken away, there are some things that we will not let go of who we are. Us, as disciples of Christ, who can celebrate his resurrection is on that list. I think, for most of us, we get, maybe in a new way, hopefully, that Mary walking to the tomb was an act of determination and bravery. And it wasn't an all-the-way thought-out plan it was just the next right thing that had to be done. So Mary comes, and she comes, and the, the stone is rolled away. Well, in the other Gospels, the stone is rolled away. Here in Matthew, if you notice, the stone isn't rolled away. Here, the stone is still in place, and Mary gets to become a witness to it. There's an earthquake that trembles. The soldiers fall down in fear of death. And an angel of the Lord comes and sits on that stone. 
Mary stays standing, which is interesting, right? The difference between the guards and Mary. The guards are so afraid of this whole scene that they fall away. Mary stays right there and keeps watching. You know, you may not have ever thought of this, but shock is an insulator. Shock has a way of, of actually allowing us to keep standing. Because instead of sort of being overcome by whatever the next thing is that shows up, we are at least able to manage it because so much has already happened. Think about it. That's the difference between Mary and those soldiers. The soldiers, they went to work today. Right? They got their coffee ready. They got out of the bed. They took a shower. They showed up to do what they were told to do. They probably have on their minds, when is the next payday? And which bills are going to get paid? And, and what's it going to be like when we get home? And what's for dinner? They're probably chatting with each other like you do at work, like it's any other given day. Because they're soldiers, and this is what they do. Mary has already been through so much. What else is going to make her fall to the ground in shock and cry in death? Nothing. She stands through it. There's a bravery that comes through being shaken. Hear me again. There's a bravery that comes from being already shaken. That shock works as an insulator. And because of that, because she's not the one who falls away like she's dying, like the soldiers do, she's the one who hears the message again from that angel. So remember, church, like Mary this morning, as I've said before, what you're going through is hard. That's okay. You've been through hard things, so you know how to do this. You'll be okay. Like Mary, many things have been taken away, but we can walk through the shock and we can still be present to the witness of this day because of it. Not in spite of it, but because of it. Our hearts have been prepared to celebrate in the most impossible of circumstances. And like Mary, it's us who can hear that message again. The angel says to Mary, Fear where have you heard those words before? There are a lot of places in the Bible, but of course way they were to Jesus' mother, Mary, when she found out she was pregnant. The angel says, fear not. When Joseph gets told to bring the child to Egypt, fear not. Fear not, fear not, fear not. At the heart of the gospel of Jesus Christ is two words. Fear not. The fear will not overwhelm you. Don't let it overwhelm be determined and be brave. Fear not. You know, in the Gospel of Mark, which is a different version of the Easter story, it's, it's told that there's no angel. There's just the witnesses like Mary who show up at the tomb. The stone is already rolled away. And the way Mark ends the story is that they run away in fear and amazement. Now, I understand probably why Mark did that. I mean, lots of people have wondered this over the ages. Why would Mark end his gospel without any resurrected Christ, without any promise, just fear and amazement at an empty tomb? And the fact is, is that he's probably writing it the way people write parables. You leave these open-ended endings. You don't give an answer. You don't give a happy ending so that people contemplate and think. What does it mean to walk through life with fear and amazement? Of course, on this particular event, Jesus' resurrection, 
It seems that even that moment of thinking it through is more than we can bear. So if you actually look up the Gospel of Mark this morning in your Bibles, what you'll find is that that isn't actually where the story ends, at least not in some translations. See, somebody came along years later and wrote a second ending of Mark. Because it wasn't enough to just leave the story of fear and trembling. And I, I, there's a lot of criticism for whoever did that, but I say that we should feel blessed that they understood that. The emotional intelligence of knowing that on Easter, we can't just leave it at fear and amazement. We need to hear more. Matthew tells us more. Luke tells us more. John tells us more. In Matthew, the answer is fear not. It's spoken again. Fear not. And then what's added to it is, and I'll be in front of you. I'm going before you. The angel says it. Go back to Galilee. He'll be there. When they encounter the resurrected Jesus himself, he says the same thing. Fear not, but go forward. I will meet you there. Fear not. I am going before you. Into the next city, into the next town, into the next moment, into the next part of history, into your future. I am going before you. Fear not. So fear not. With all the assurances that God has ever given us, with all that comes true in the resurrection of Christ, hear him again. Fear not who goes ahead of you. Fear not, you are not alone. Fear not, nothing is impossible with God. Fear not, the Lord is slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Fear not, nothing will ever separate you from the love of God. Fear not, O grave, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Fear not, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you. Fear not, you of little faith. Let the little ones come to me. Fear not, for I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Fear not, the old is gone. social distancing and an abundance of cautions, shelter in place. But that's not the story. At least it's not the whole story. It's also the story of this morning when Christians all over this earth still rose up and met the blue skies with their eyes and said, He is risen. He is risen indeed. And down deep in our souls, even if it's not the words, but we listen to the melody of it with our hearts, we know that this mystery is true. Christ has died. Christ has risen. Christ will come again. That is the story of this year. When we look back and we try and tell people of this day, make sure that that is the way we tell the story. One of determination and bravery, even when bravery comes from being shocked. We're a very, very old story with very new meaning. For us about hope. That's what Jesus' story was. Determination, <clears throat> bravery, a very old story getting retold with new hope. Let his Easter story be your Easter story. Fear not who goes ahead of us.
I close then with these words, again, this, this song that I've listened to this week called Brave. I posted it on Facebook. You will find it uh, earlier in the post this morning if you want to listen to it. But here's the words that I imagine are Mary Magdalene's words and our words too this morning. Because it's been fear that ties us down to ever fit. But it's your love that cuts us straight. So, so long, status quo. I think I just let go. You make me want to be brave. The way it always was is no longer good enough. You make me want to be brave, brave, brave. I'm small. I speak when I'm spoken to. But I'm willing to risk it all. Say your name, just your name, and I'm ready to jump, even ready to fall. Why do I take this vow of compromise? Why do I try to keep it all inside? So long status quo, I think I just let go. You make me want to be brave. The way it always was is no longer good enough. And someday, that will be the story of this Easter. Let's make sure we tell the story right. Amen. Let us pray. In the joy and hope, let our risen Savior may fill us with the joy of his glorious and life-giving resurrection. O oh God, hear our prayer. That the isolated and persecuted people may find fresh strength in the good news of Easter. Hear our prayer. That God may grant us humility to be subject to one another in Christian love. Hear our prayer. That he may provide for those who lack food, work, or shelter. That by his power, war and famine may cease throughout all the world. That he may reveal the light of his presence to the sick, the weak, and the dying. To comfort and strengthen them. Hear our prayer. That according to his promises, all who have died in the faith of the resurrection may be raised to the life everlasting. Hear our prayer. That he may send a wave of the Holy Spirit upon his people, so that we may bear faithful witness to his resurrection. Hear our prayer. Heavenly Father, you have delivered us from the power of darkness. You have brought us into the kingdom of your Son. Grant that in his death has recalled us to life, so his continual presence in us may raise us to eternal joy. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who taught us to pray, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. For one man he made many nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him, and perhaps reach out for him and find him though he is not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. The God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, 
that great shepherd of the sheep through the blood of the eternal covenant make you perfect in every good work that you may do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen, and go in peace.